welcome to Bab Pod Die, a Babylon Project miniseries about the comic book Die, where we tumble through feelings about RPGs and some terrible British nerds. I'll be your game master, Justin. Me are not just my two players, Jude and Anna. We have Aaron, better known as Zathras, uh, who produces the podcast and rarely joins, but is here. As well, as responsible for at least three percent of my gender, Kieran Gillen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Thank you for doing this and coming onto the show. Um, Kieran, you are an incredibly prolific author. Um, if you could introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Kieran Gillen. I write, um, short version is, I, I'm best known as comic writing now. I do a load of books for Marvel on and off. Um, make, again. So I've worked on basically all the characters you've heard of, ones you haven't. Like I've written X-Men and four. Say THs uh, and other books. <laughs> uh, I wrote my own stuff with other best known mine. Uh, What's the future? Irrelevantly die. Um, my background is I used to be a games critic, come journalist, and I wrote for places like PC Gamer and The Guardian, and I founded a sorry, co-founded a website called Rock Paper Shop, uh, and that's me. Excellent. Um- yeah, no, I, 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 I made, I've made the joke on the show before, but I have four omnibuses on my shelf, and three of them are yours. Oh. Wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I guess we start with um, die. I mean, die is obviously coming from a place of looking back at RPGs with sort of a modern look at it. Get to the point where. You you decide I want to do a portal fantasy about RPGs, but uh, but about traumatized forty year olds. Right, what you know? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like, I've told the origin for. Mm-hmm. Excuse anyone who's heard it. Um, I was walking around uh, the mall at San Diego Comic Con with Ray Forks, Jamie McAlvey, the artist, J- artist writer Jamie McAlvey, and also Ray is also an artist writer, and we were just. Uh, about the 1980s D&D kids cartoon, you know, basically, which is going on d and theme park ride uh, and get back into another dimension as teenagers and transformed, yada, yada, yada. Um, and we just stopped talking nonsense about it in terms of like, oh, no, you know, did they ever get back? No one can remember. They didn't because they got the last episode when they got back was never filmed, um, which is available in a weird cut version online, if people know. Um, and, you know, this sort of joke about it, said, uh, of course, that you know, they'd be in the late 40s by now, wouldn't they? Uh, as we were all sort of laughing and that sort of nags at me uh, and in the evening i was sitting around um i was having dinner with a load of image credits it, it was nagging me and I, why why is this, this, this me as uh, someone getting lost in this fantasy world for like 40 years and it sort of clicked in that kind of awful idea as pop you know that's me you know i disappeared into a fantasy realm at the age of like 15 and did i ever come back and how much does that hurt me and i sort of burst into tears as is my want uh, and kind of like immediate oh no this is something i want to write in that kind of like that, as in how much has my love and obsession over fantasy in the widest possible sense um, harmed me. And that one's pretty downbeat because like all my stuff, like Wicked Divine and Phonogram were about pop, um, but specifically it's about the whole wet breadth of pop music as in what's it for? Because it's not, it's also like, why did you go into that fantasy in the first place? I mean, look at um, Cena Maguire's amazing um, Wayward Children novellas, which are astounding if people have never read them. But that kind of, kind of mm-hmm. comes why do these people go to fantasy worlds? Um, and that, so it's that kind of, so immediately that idea happened. I knew the first person sold, sold the worst possible portrait of my worst self. And then um, Ash came very quickly. And the idea was very clear in terms of you take people, 
there. Teenage Fantasy World, bring them back um, and look at it through their adult perspective. So it's adult realities versus teenage fantasies. And that, that's what it, that was kind of the core dramatic thing. And me being me, I kind of added a 100 hats to it. But that's kind of for me, it was here's a device for really taking six different sorts of people and players and really interrogating why people play fantasy games anyway. Um, and that, as the Pratchett and everything else implies, it's fantasy is the a much bigger thing. I mean, fantasy is the ability to remember than it is. And I think RPGs are kind of um, applied versions of that. Mm. And that's what it um, So basically, it was like the 1980s D&D kids cartoon meets It, because I always love <laughs> Stephen King's It. Specifically, you know what I mean? Like, it structures, you know, that first chapter, like, is it? The, no, it's not the first chapter, your chapter before the prologue. But, you know, you, you, you see the past and you, you don't know what happened. Then you get them all coming back and their memories, one of them immediately commits suicide and all that kind of, what the earth happened back then? So the dual structure, which you don't get in the recent adaptations, but that the, the dual structure for me was the interesting part in terms of these are adults who have dealt with the problem in the past and now have to return to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and there's also part of me, having done Wick Div, I was like, I can't do Wick Div ever again. Or at least like for 10 years, otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be completely stereotyped. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan teenagers, it just kind of, the, the dice fell in that way so something about people who are old as i am that's great i'm sure you've been asked many times what your first he was but what what's a game session or something like that that sort of still echoes in your head oh i mean like they all do interestingly mm-hmm. and like, i do when i was a game journalist i um i wrote a manifesto or something that about new games journalism and the idea was and that's kind of this is 2003, 2004, so kind of like, oh, but the idea of writing about experience and the idea that everyone tells each other their RPG stories and no one cares. No, no, my theory is no people care. You know, if you tell the story, why we talk. So what you're describing is kind of like, I applied it to video games back then, but that sort of thinking in terms of that really stick with you, mm-hmm. come back to you. That's what I believe was a, should be a bigger part of games than it was back then. And of course, it's a big part now. You know, what's actual play other than that book? turn into mm-hmm. performance so there's too many is the real answer but the one, the first game I ever played with middle earth role-playing <laughs> uh the second uh, a big teenage campaign was the me and my friends played warmer fancy role play and we played all the way through what was the the enemy within campaign which is like one of the big class in fact the big classic warmer campaign it's one of the big sort of 1980s fancy campaigns i think in my opinion anyway and that was just kind of my my gaming adolescence i kind of think about very and they, I still come back quite strongly in terms of shaping me. Um, but, you know, it's also the, you know, I mean, just really like this, this, this stuff you might say. In a, um, I'm going to say what me and my brother, I was running warmer fancy role play for my brother, not enemy within, um, but like a different game. Um, and he's chasing living, <laughs> running away. Uh, they dive into a set and burrow away. And my brother immediately goes, okay, I'll jump into the cesspit after him and start chasing, burrowing. Pause. Uh, what's a cesspit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like, honestly, that's, that's like forty. Must not forty. You know, and I, you know, that's a really basic RPG story. That these are little little things. Yeah. Um, not every game, good or bad, kind of sticks with me a little bit. Especially bad. In fact, the the bad ones taught me a lot. I am well known amongst these this group and and any group I've ever played with with. Uh, joyously celebrating the the botch and the fail, uh, the the more spectacular. 
So I empathize with that in particular. Uh, I love a failed uh, role or a spectacular disaster. Uh, I think they make yeah. for the best moments. In, in- it's more interesting. Yeah. So, like, that's, if everyone's played, obviously, Powered by the Apocalypse type game, mm-hmm. yeah. that they des- you know, it's designed to fail. You know, you, you re- you'll most likely get a compl- complicated... In other words, stuff just rolls downhill. <laughs> you know, great, I've killed the baddie, but there's an alarm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. You know, stuff cascades until you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, Jude and uh, Jude and I actually feel a little bit of kinship with this with this story in particular because we are both 40-something-year-old nerds who did, in fact, game together back in the early 90s. <laughs> yep. Aaron was an uh, introduction to game uh, oh. in high school. Uh, Aaron and two of our high school down and played uh, the very game we are trinity from white wolf we did one session and didn't understand fucking anything uh <laughs> and then we tried we did two two weekends of character generation for shadow run and that and then my friend ran ran werewolf and that's or and that stuck so we played vampire for a while and bridged out from there to werewolf and uh from there but yeah that was we've been playing games together in various forms for a really goddamn long time I'm I'm well, somewhat nervous to play die with because I'm <laughs> <laughs> you have the secret weapons. Yeah, um, right. yeah last night when we were recording our finale, uh both Jude and I we, we basically did like history of our relationship with Anna. We figured out that like both of our <laughs> first like interactions with Anna were related to Bluebeard's bride. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, because I that's that's uh RPGs that I have GM'd lot um for you know one shots with a whole bunch of sets of friends and the internet and at gen con and everything um and so you know when i both of both justin and jude were interested at various points when i discord calls for like who wants to play (laughs) it's valentine's day everyone guess what (laughs) which is a bonkers game to like open call games yeah Uh, yep it is game with but <laughs> yeah. apparently at it because you <laughs> yeah you could trauma bond i guess yeah yeah <laughs> i'm i've never played blue, blue Bridge, which is a weird one like yeah. i own it i own the expansion I yeah. know, you know and it's um i just never personally we're all circle mm-hmm. and i feel that in some way i want to just arrange games for people to happen and i know the designers say that, that it doesn't you know, uh, it's not meant to be sorry for women or the, yeah, with that. But I somehow think that the power of people being gathered to talk about their own shared stuff in some way designed to be communicating bigger ideas mm. to people. I feel like an intruder. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't want to run that. I don't want to set up and run that game because I think it's suboptimally. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Which I know is wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, and I've had I have I've had the same experience with players feeling like they don't belong playing in the game and it's like no you know just like bring yourself to it and we'll see where it takes us and it's, it's a beautifully designed game you know like uh I've, I've really become quite obsessed over it for something i've never actually played yeah i mean if you ever want to run a game <laughs> you uh with some prep <laughs> you've activated <laughs> I've, I've only i've only run like 30 games of it wow <laughs> speaking um, speaking of 30 games though uh a little bit about this thing that you're doing in dragon meat I'm 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 basically having a public again. <laughs> um, 
as is my want. Like, idea like a way back, like probably just before COVID, because it was like when Dio, the first trade was coming out, I had the idea for a launch party of Dio and running six tables at once. And that's the idea, as in the six tables, and somehow there's me as a kind of Uber GM, but it's not really that. Um, so basically, that got picked up after I told because this got re-picked up at RWD because we did Gen Con this year. I've never done it before. So I ran a bunch of games there, which was lovely. I played with great players. But like for both me and Grant, then the sign-up list is stupid. You know what I mean? Like there was like, get, I think Grant had over 100 and I was like 90-something, you know? And I'm only playing with five people. And that feels like an incredible, like, not incredibly bad use of my time, but like unfair, you know what I mean? Because I want to, you know, interact with as many people. So we came, I came back to this old idea I had. I said, okay, let's do a bigger game have more GMs, but also have me as an element in the game, as in essentially a tool. <laughs> um, and okay, I've written it, I've handed it in on Fridays, makes of it. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's six GMs, me as basically a playing Kieran Gillen, in quotation marks, as a kind of an awful Kieran Gillen, awful, <laughs> um, doing a playtest of a 36 player game of Die, and it goes badly awry. And basically, because <laughs> kind of, the part of the idea was like, if I play both as the so a kind of like a an NPC tables like Doctor Who or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. That's kind of my original idea. As in, you you could get a, a, a wider scene nonsense. Um, <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping that it's, it's obviously it's sillier than most die games, but um, I'm hoping it'll be memorable because there's a lot about die as well as the emotional traumatic stuff. There's a lot of for want of, for want of a better word, theater or, or sizzle. Mm-hmm. And like die sizzle turned quite high up, hmm. and it, I'm, I'm hoping people chanting because uh, that's kind of what it, you know one of my friends said when i posted this no kieran this is a, actually now formed uh, and my only like my only fig leaf is that it's a cult designed to overthrow the person who so like um yeah but it should be if hopefully it'll work and hopefully it'll be a giggle um another one at thought bubble where we're doing a die panel uh i'm running a version of die but the structure is basically we're doing a fiction. We're fictional comic book creators on stage doing a panel, and the audience are fictional fans of the fictional comic. So the people are going to be asking questions about the fictional comic, which will be the structure of the. So we're all sucked into another dimension. <laughs> is the idea? So it's basically turning a panel, show, a panel into the prompts for an adventure. And I have no idea. I'm still writing this one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've read some of the. I've read some of like the scenarios in the back of Die, and I've seen what a couple actual like I, I've seen one actual play specific like that i've uh, i haven't watched it yet but like it feels like it has the there are certain games that i find that come out and people do astounding things with them immediately off the bat and just like jump in and like oh yeah i can this and it really feels like that feral energy present within the design spaces thank Mm. you that's like that's i think they're always like everyone is co-designer you know that and there's um permission there's a lot about rpg why not try this and there's a lot of like in die which is my own gm style which is fairly um flashy the by which you know i um any cheap trick <laughs> <laughs> you know um so yeah like people have been like i've seen the games people have been running are great there's like a load of really great actual plays i completely forgot the name of one of the new ones it's uh, the concept is they're all basically actual play people getting together to play an actual play game of die and you know so it's got it's about four levels of meta there yeah you know um i'm very excited we've we've all mutually agreed that we want to play it but i i know justin and i both uh held back from 
deeply into the game until we had finished uh, recording the recording uh, all these episodes about it. So I just started digging into the book last night, and uh, we're I'm pretty amped to play with this group of people. We're gonna do something fun with it. We know too much about each other. We're, we're too dangerous, so we're perfect to dick into each other. And the art, the art in the book is just as good as the art in the comics, and it's just, it's so, so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie did amazing stuff, like in terms of the extra stuff she's done for the book. Um, <laughs> obviously, like I swear, just play people different to yourself. Mm-hmm. I know that's easy to say, and people always bleed a little bit and die, but like you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I say shrugging. <laughs> <Don't really. laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, putting you and Grant together is like taking the screwdriver out of the demon core. Like <laughs> criticality right there in terms of creativity. Yeah. Oh man, he's a sweetheart. Uh, I've had the to interact with Grant at Gen Con a couple of times. And <laughs> Game daddy. Uh, we played an early draft of um, uh, Heart with him, yeah. and he decided he did not like the term Game Master and insisted that we refer to him as the Game Daddy. Well, it, it's because it's because Dylan said hurt me, Game Daddy, at one point. That's right. That's right. Wow. <laughs> it was very good. But he's funny. I mean, he is such a, a phenomenally creative uh, designer. Um, he He's just bananas uh the stuff that he creates and how prolific he is yeah him and chris will work together mm-hmm. and like a, a heart i remember like being in, actually in grant's kitchen when he was telling about like heart and obviously i was doing die at the same time we're just starting to pull die together like they feel like very sister games sister both games and project in that they're both external adventurers and using the dungeons to externalize internal trauma mm-hmm. yeah you know they're yeah. turning internal stuff external and that's what die runs off and yeah yeah yeah. So that was a very good sentence. We can all stop yeah. there. <laughs> I kept thinking, you know, while we were reading through the comic, I kept being like, okay, well, what, what would Grant's f- faces look like <laughs> in terms of the world on the, do- you know? Yeah. Don't, let, don't give Grant that power. <laughs> oh, man. That like, would be. As, as a master of his realm. That would be Grant, terrifying. Grant would say, I'm not the master of anything, <laughs> is probably what Grant would say about himself. Yeah. Masters, that's a good transition. Yeah. Um, so as the background there uh, behind me says, um, one of the projects is I have a Tolkien podcast for Beth, uh. where we explore as my tagline, as the tagline says, the lesser trod paths of Darium. So my particular sort of area of interest uh, is the the sort of deeper weirdness of, of Tolkien. Um, and Justin was like the whole time we were getting ready as this, uh, as we were getting into some of the three baby. (laughs) Yeah. Really loved the way that, uh, this comic in conversation with Tolkien as sort of the, his place within the, the fantasy genre, because Tolkien is so fundamental, but superficially perceived because of that i wanted to ask what your history and relationship was with tolkien um were you read were you like a obviously you've read lord of the fantastic moria reference uh at the end (laughs) but i'm curious what uh were you deeply familiar with his history before you read you started writing die or did you have to go dig deep uh once you started researching the relationship with Tolkien is complicated in that um, I, I dug deep. I, I always 
That's my kind of weakness. Um, I, I delve too deep, as the uh, man would say. <laughs> uh, I treat like metaf- metaphorical Balmog, because that's what I do. Tolkien was one of my very first things I was into as a kid. Like, my gateways, um, like my, my aunt bought me The Hobbit, but I, me and my uh, best friend, who was like my GM on most of my teenage campaigns, a race against each other, which is the literal worst way <laughs> of the Rings. Oh, you know I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. teenage, not even teenagers, we were like pre-teens. My first role-playing game, I said, was Middle Earth which is um, based off Rollmaster. And if people don't know Rollmaster, it's an incredibly overcomplicated system and shouldn't be let near a 10-year-old. Like, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> but, like, all the MURPS manuals was another way this idea. There's a lot... Of, like, my first video game... Sorry, first computer game uh, was The Hobbit, the, the interactive fiction version of The Hobbit from Melbourne House in the early 80s, um, which my friend, yet again, the one I mentioned earlier, he... Um, Told me about on trips to the um, the swimming bath about and it, it, it sounded the best thing in the world and he never mentioned it was just text. Uh, <laughs> all the by all those kind of different things I mentioned, I approached the work of Tolkien through, you mm. know, like and they, even like stuff like role playing games influence direct influence of Tolkien. Like Tolkien is this kind of um, the works of Tolkien. I kind of tend to think about in that way, like this kind of place which has a solidity outside of himself and outside of anything else. At the same time. I'm somebody before doing die, and I wrote a bit about this in the back matter, so you've probably read it. Yeah, um, was kind of this figure I was quite angry about with in terms of um, you know I'm a working class guy from Midlands, so in other words, kind of the area which Tolkien clearly hated. Um, and they're aware that if I was Middle Earth, I would be an orc. Through the industry, you know, I'm somebody broadly. I'm aware that I probably wouldn't have a life if I wasn't. You know, I would have died if it wasn't for science. So I'm kind of anti the, that kind of the implicit old times the best kind of aspect of Tolkien. So there's that. Anger, and there's also the anger about rip them off quite badly, like kind of like <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the most derivative yeah. side of fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'm into like I, I, I'm, but as I also in the back matter, there's a long tradition of anti anti fantasies mm-hmm. <laughs> that just makes me a different part, a different tradition. Is there? But from the complete utter love to that sort of teenage disaffection with him to um, what were a big part of die was the kind of learning to love him as a human being in terms of like um. I think, uh, see, like, yeah, of course Tolkien hated Birmingham. Why wouldn't he? Both his parents had died. It, this is, this is, these are the worst possible things for him, you know? Like, that kind of, oh, no, he's a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and yeah. seeing that mm-hmm. impact. I mean, obviously, there's the World War I stuff is stuff I always respected. And look, you know, that I always got, but I got different parts of that and saw it much more as a kind of, oh, he's a human being who did things in a human way. And even stuff like, there's like one of those anecdotes, like, uh, I didn't put in die, but him sort of sitting and, falling in love with languages by seeing Welsh written on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that? Mm-hmm. And, and another one of the uh, I got from one of the biographies was um, he couldn't understand anybody who couldn't be bothered to learn English to read Beowulf. As he didn't get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. but, but but that says something about how he's... Yeah. You know what I mean? Seeing people... There's, there's the thing I got the deep researchers maybe really reappreciate how weird Tolkien is. Like, it's almost like the most oh. successful outsider writer in the... You know, because... He had to be dragged along to the equivalent of Wilcon eventually. He wouldn't have been the person going to the Yugos every year. It's, it's a weird, ho- uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's professor. Interesting. That makes him very different to almost every other fantasy writer who has fans, you know, has the idea that the book is on the show. I mean, look at my generation, writers. All of us have played some form of D&D. So there's a connected idea of what fantasy is, mm-hmm. even if like anyway so yeah the, I, I know a lot more now than i did then but i read 
a lot. I was in love with Middle Earth in a way which is poetic. I didn't even mention the movies. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, I'm engaged in a conversation with like it beyond just any individual thing. That's great. Yeah, those biographies that have there have been some truly great biographies of Tolkien written um that I always recommend, particularly Tolkien in the Great War, which mm. is a phenomenal work for anyone interested in learning more about Tolkien uh, as a human being, because it does really show you what an interesting person he was in the way that he developed early Middle Earth and the way that he, he was such an unusual guy, the way he uh, grew in, in a kind of in isolation head in conversation with a very small number of people. He's a very weird dude. Uh, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. So from it in terms of like obviously good trick and I think he does it better than almost anyone ever is uh, making the the story bigger than the page. Yes, we've got the appendixes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, that's not what I really mean. <laughs> what I mean is like it always seems bigger. Like if you look at the map at the front, you can see all the stuff in the southwest of you know of the Lord. We don't go there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And like and that, and that for part of me, but that was die and also my work like with eternals and actually immortal x-men as well trying to give the idea if i give enough hints i can make it feel bigger than what we're showing you and that's a really powerful feeling yeah i'm not saying like getting lost in world building isn't always a great thing in fact rarely a great thing but do which is interesting and tolkien was a master of it yeah yeah and that's that's one of my that's one of my favorite flavors of world building too where you have where you have a world where you know in text all of the corners of it aren't necessarily explored but you have the skeleton and you have hints of what's in those quadrants so that the reader can kind of like imagine imagine what's going on there um without it being yeah. just like an exhaustive in- info dump yeah one of the be- that this is fine when i burnt out on fancy fiction it's a school of fancy fiction where you've got the map at the start and the heroes go around every part of the map mm-hmm. like it's a travel it, travel log yeah <laughs> you know not even a travel log isn't the idea like, let's go on a, a world tour here we go woo, 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 woo. and to the big mountain where the bad guy lives you know like, and that kind of didn't do that yeah you know that's uh yeah. you know you, it's one of those things i always imagine like why if it just the hobbits went south you know forget <laughs> forget elrond let's just let's let's go around the coast let's go that way yeah um which is, that's probably what RPGs are about, really. You know, how, how many different ways could we go to Mordor? <laughs> I, speaking of parts of the map that we don't visit, I, this is something that I think we, we like, asked at least once during our series and has always been ahead of, like, in Die, were there any, like, figures or realms or, like, even genres that got, on the cutting, that got left on the cutting floor? Oh, like, I know, I know what's in every region. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like they exist. I mean, Steph- I had to basically beat Stephanie to avoid her. I wouldn't beat Stephanie, but she wouldn't know whether to put, actually put a map or not. You know? Yeah. You know, and then we decided no for now. But, you know, if we ever come, you know, if we ever come back, we'll do something else with Die. You know, um, there's certainly, I know the larger argument of Die. Because I said this, um, you know, Middle Earth was a realm made by linguists. And uh, Glorantha was... Um, as in, uh, I've got uh, Greg Stafford's uh, where RuneQuest is set. Uh, it's basically a world basically cre- created by someone who is very clearly into divini- divinity studies and religious studies and um, uh, mythology mm. in that way. And you know, created by a world created by someone who's a critic. Hmm. Guys, twenty realms and me doing a portrait of like how, what I think RPGs mm-hmm. are made of mm-hmm. and how they are also in conversation with each other because it's like 
it, there's a, the war zones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these aren't just static regions. These these Eternal Prussia versus this is both about the world. You know, it's about the world wars, but it's also specifically of how one conceives of the RPG. Mm-hmm. You know, and that mm-hmm. is a way. But and you know, I, I turn that metaphor, you know, that observation into metaphor. A lot of dies, um, big heavier like world building stuff is a lot about critical arguments. I mean, that, you basically got four. It's about um, you know HG one, uh, the Brontes, Tolkien. You've got those basic four issues, which are me kind of going, okay, here's a hot take, <laughs> <laughs> and got, you know, with, with different. That's great. I was quite mean to Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he deserves that, but it's tricky. Like, I tell you, it's like obviously Lovecraft is was terrible in lots of ways. But I remember like one review of Die was like, uh, of course, Lovecraft you know, is one of the most terrible people who ever lived, and I'm like, really? Yeah, just scale like yeah. you know, a, a, a very a, a quite sick, you know, mentally ill racist. Like yeah. he's on, he wasn't he was you know I don't even list people who are worse than, but there's a lot of like genocidal maniacs who actually did it. Yeah, yeah. Who, are, who are worse than writing really kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a slight apology, like throwing them under a bus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the description of Middle Earth as like the world created by the by the linguist um to you know, tie in with Cratchit too which we're talking about here one of my favorite descriptions of Discworld is that if you take middle earth as a world that is created by the linguist um and die which is the world created by the critic you also have Discworld which is the world created by the sociologist basically or or really I was going to say satirist, but I yeah. see the sociologist. The further he went, the more it felt like sociology. It started. It starts with satirist mm-hmm. and ends with sociologist. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, if you're focusing on you know how do we build the world, and you know, to me, one of the big threads through Pratchett is focusing on like what are how do people interact with each other um, for all sorts of varieties of people. Mm. I mean, it, it, that aspect of Pratchett is incredibly powerful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean this is, I'm, who am I teaching, talking to? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm not telling you, well, that's a new idea. Well, June, June uh, hasn't read any of them yet. We, we keep, uh, we keep oh, bullying. Yeah. 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 Much to, much some. to Aaron's consternation. Uh, he has threatened to boycott things I'm on in order to get me to read <laughs> Pratchett. But I'm very busy. Uh, edit, there's- edit June's voice to be uh, like very high pitched and squeaky for the entire podcast. <laughs> Yeah, the, the you know the quote at the beginning of issue sixteen that you pulled. I must say, I, I've got, I wouldn't be able to quote it from memory. Oh. It's been a few years. Now. Uh-huh. The, the, the fantasy is a genre of a swim. Yeah, is fantasy is almost a sea in which other genres swim. Yeah, what what pulled you to that quote? I have a big document in the Die Scrivener file. Anytime mm. I read something which feels relevant to Die, it could be used as a poll quote. I add oh. it to that document. <laughs> Uh, so there's a there's a lot. So when I'm doing the research, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of there's a lot of Bronte ones I haven't used. Uh, and, it, and then I get to the back of the issue and realize, okay, which one of these quotes best suits this issue? Mm-hmm. So when I was reading, I was uh, when I hit that one. That was I literally forget why I read it. Mm-hmm. And it seems relevant and useful um, because it's kind of part of to look dice larger themes. And of course, issue sixteen is all set at sea. Mm-hmm. So let's not overthink it. Mm-hmm. There's Elm, it's enormous ocean. Also, in the question, this particular issue has something monstrous beneath it. Mm-hmm. We, you know, there's a there's a lot of the quotes. Obviously, they're interesting by themselves, but sort of resonate with the issue, make you mm-hmm. a different way of thinking about. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. it's like an, an anti epic. 
you know, because of course in the trays at the front yeah. as well. So yeah. you know. it's funny that it happens mostly at sea because uh, we we learned from Rob Wilkins that one of the books that was crushed uh, under the steamroller is uh, a early version of a uh, sequel to Amazing Maurice or Amazing oh, yeah. Morris. Uh, where you know he's using the UK pronunciation, uh, where he was a ship's cat. Oh, uh, which would have been very interesting. I, I want to pivot slightly off of the sort of meta discussion. Uh, you've <laughs> mentioned several times having more material and maps and more quotes. Uh, in our final episode, which we recorded last night, we all kind of got to the end and we were just like, God, we really are glad that these characters are because we don't want to know what happens. Like these characters very much feel like their arc is completed, but we're also mad that there's not more because we want more of them, but also we don't want, it feels very much like with the exception of that was the one that I kind of thought like, maybe there's more of his story, but for the rest of them, we were like, no, they, they feel very much like finished what they're doing. But it feels like you're not done with die. It's complicated. Like, let's we haven't we haven't announced it or even said we're doing it or even sure we're doing it. Like, but I would agree with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a novelistic writer. Like, I um I'm not interested. In, I wish some. I'm occasionally wish I was younger. I wish, obviously, not just because it would make my body work properly, but also mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but much more. Uh, also, because like I could be more like fighting. I like any book with a sequel is unethical. Would be my argument. Any <laughs> book series are unethical, <laughs> as in like <laughs> basically they make they draw attention f- from one book and then you basically trick people to reading more books and you book it yada yada all yeah. that kind of stuff. Any book over two hundred unethical. Chase, you losers. Spicy take. As I like, and also they've been dead since the nineteen twenties. Like you know, all dumb hot takes just to pick fights. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that person anymore, thankfully, because it's, <laughs> why would I do that? Because I don't believe it, really. <laughs> um, but relevant to die, it's like no, it's a, it's a yeah. this is what it does. And if it was an ever if it was ever another one, it would have to say something significantly different yeah. and be about mm-hmm. significantly different. And for me, especially with the game, like the game it's all sort of set up. Somebody thirteen. That's where all the die games are happening. All yeah, what you are playing and what you are creating, mm-hmm. which is a horrific. But also be canon. Um, well, it's like Lancer. Canon matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lancer says all all games exist at least within a simulation on the five lights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, spe- speaking of Lancer, real fast here, Justin, you have to you have to hit the Lancer joke. Oh, oh, hold. On. So there is in the H.G. Wells one. There is. I, I have to find the joke because I need to get. The the more intelligent type of which like made me like viscerally whole body hiss. Yeah, there's the little warriors. There's a game for boy uh, for boys for twelve years of age to one hundred and fifty, and for that more sort of girl who likes boys games and books. And answer a game for trans, that more intelligent cis person who likes trans folks games. That's that is funny. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> I was going to give H.G. Wells the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not going to. Uh, H.G. Wells is interesting. Um, I was originally making the hero, and then the more I read about him, I was like, oh, no, he's, he's an interesting mess-up as well. Yeah. But like, oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to back for him. It, like, it, it, I, I swear he might be teasing. Yeah. There's, there's, there might, yeah I, it might be a joke. There might be a little advice joke. 
but it might be a joke. But on the phone, it probably isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right, when I read it, I went, <laughs> sorry, I, like, fist on my mouth is it was the mind there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, out of all the masters, I think actually like my, the one that like aged me the most and I found was uh, Charlotte because it just, you know, despite being a failed English major, I mean, I, it was I'm incredibly familiar with even that part, like that part of the history. And it was fascinating to me <laughs> and just Same like here. as yeah. somebody who my first experience with, okay, I did play one session of D and D at like a winter camp when I was, 12 but my first experience with role-playing games was text-based forum systemless rpgs yeah i mean i played yeah. i played mushes back in the mm, yeah. you know like i played that kind of stuff too like and, and learning this i'm like oh wow when i first read that i was like getting hit with a sledgehammer of like oh th- that's that's show. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like i mean i got the um like I mean, obviously, as an ex-games critic, I knew a lot of stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming in, I had a rough sort of what I felt was my theory of games as history. And I, and I think mm-hmm. I kind of came in the idea one of the big things that allowed D&D to happen was postmodernism because mm-hmm. basically it changed our relationship with stories. And I still think there's some truth there. But the same time, historically speaking, it's also not true. <laughs> 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 like uh, like that, uh, the piece of um, uh, like playing at the world but he's done a bunch of other really great RPG history books his kind of historical work digging back further that was like actually no there's more because the Bron- that, the Bron- there was literally two pages of that book and immediately it was like oh right no this is literally 50 issues of my comic in the, <laughs> that, the Brontes and like you know then I read a load of Glass uh, Glass Town but I hadn't really read any I read um, I've read um, I've ne- read no Charlotte uh, I've got the middle one not Anne Emily 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 before, but I've never. So I read. I was reading. I mean, doing an RPG book, then reading, uh, you know, all, all the stuff, including their juvenilia, which is um, delightful in lots of ways, and then their biographies. And mm-hmm. fact, I went. I went to the house by that as well. Um, you know I mean, and, it, and it makes you more think. Oh no, it's more. The question becomes: Why didn't it actually become overground earlier? Mm-hmm. And that's a different. And what was and that's. <laughs> uh, I, I think it probably is that yeah. as in capitalism found a way to sell it yeah. um, but I think postmodernism might be part of it too um, I forgot what the question was but yeah that's all but like, for me when I got about researching digging more I mean like somebody who's probably a master though I may change my mind about, you know uh, Louis Stevenson like um, mm-hmm. he was also somebody who played war games like H.G. Uh, Wells he was completely the opposite he played it in the attic with his uh, with and he got very embarrassed anyone came in and basically pieces and stuff Google he's got his literal interaction report where he's written up one of the war games and he sent a letter to somebody else about his games and stuff like a proper like you know forum nerd <laughs> um, and I got the image of Stevenson and H.G. Wells as being these two different types of nerds as the one who hides and the other one who literally his board game table and, put- yeah. and publishes the rules yeah. and he's like he's the most out proud geek I've ever seen in all the world uh, <laughs> So, like, which is a pretty, you know, so Stevenson being that shy is hilarious. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. I have a joke question for you. When they originally go to die, it's 19. 19- if they had waited six months and Sol had gotten out of the masquerade, would he have been saved? <laughs> the subtext is, like, I mean, subtext is uh, vampire was already in the 
Mm-hmm. Like whatever was leading into vampire was in Soul's head. That yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Wasn't Vampire 91? It is first edition. One, but I'm like I think they came out like it came out in ninety one, but I think like V two, which is the the thing that like most people glomp onto, was ninety two. Souls is big enough nerd because okay. it's like that's the weird thing about Souls Group is that they're, they're kind of gaming hipsters. Yeah, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, which is not, yeah. You know, deliberately punchable. You know, they don't play. <laughs> they, yeah, that kind of yeah. like that. That oh, I'm not a speaker. Who read the magazine? Mm. Report gaming magazines, which reviewed all the new stuff. Very clearly drawing from my. Um, so that I, in my head, uh, vampire were definitely influences on soul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're the kind yeah. of giving, and it was deliberate in 91, which of course is when um, Nevermind was happening and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, explicitly, this is, they went into Die, and Die was created at the birth of 90s pop culture, mm. which is, you know, goth stuff, grunge stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, okay, the, the pop nerds, frankly. Uh, uh, like dance concert, hip hop stuff, mm-hmm. stuff happening. But in terms of that stuff, those n- <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing really good hand gestures. Sadly, <laughs> for, for, like, for 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 this uh, for this uh, audio only medium, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a natural. <laughs> but of course, you're talking about things that Jude and I were like just deeply immersed in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Like multiple instances where so. Like the the last couple issues of like, you know, what do I do when I get back? How do how do I operate as a blind man with uh, no like skills bar knowledge of role playing games? And I I just I just like typed into the summary doc we have, buddy. Let me show you to itch.io. Yeah, right. Let's <laughs> be honest. I'm pretty sure Souls releasing die. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it going to be big, you know, like for whatever right. he does. Yeah. yeah. So speaking, so we've talked everybody else's kind of introductions to role-playing games and like early, early experiences with role-playing games. And I'm a little bit of an odd person out in this group in that, I mean, let's be real. I grew up as a girl in a rural area and thus it was something, it was on my radar and kind of interested in, but had zero opportunity to play ever. So my introduction to role-playing through like Neverwinter Nights and the other like computer game. Um, and this has kind of brought me to, to like think about, you know, the ways in which that is, you know, integrated into die. And um, I'm curious about the, the origins of the fair with the, you know, the binary thing, you know, they've got the binary futuristic. Um, I had I had my personal theory, which is that um, you know, essentially the fair are the representation of computer games in Die, but I would love to hear your take on it. It's a little bit of that, to be honest. Um, reality Fair was the other ass the the twenty twenty of it. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, but there's a lot. Oh, of the, yeah. the, the other thing, the other thing in his head, into yeah. the soul's head, is that you know he was Cyberpunk twenty twenty would have come out just before then as well. Yeah. So it's some of it is just that simple. It's quite a it's a simple 2020 joke. Um that much more on that level. I was interested in the idea of um I mean video games are part of it, but video games are also regressive. The fair in some ways represent everything that is wants video games to change. Sorry, games to change. Yeah. Fantasy to I don't but in some ways it's science fiction because like science fiction wants to science fiction generally imagines the future different to ours and and fantasy generally 
imagines a past that was better than ours. Yeah. Like, I'm speaking really broadly there, like, on a part. And, like, in some ways, but A, science fiction is fantastic. Yeah. In the broadest sense. Yep. So, in other words, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a part of the sea and I'm trying to fight the sea. It doesn't end well. And that's the, that's the weird thing about the fair. You know, they're trapped in something which is ultimately going to destroy them. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, not a fair region per se, but uh, the, because it's maybe a future story, <laughs> but like, the, the science in Dai is in trouble, always. Yeah. <laughs> Short version is like, everyone wants to add a wizard to it. It's like, no, we're trying to play a science fiction game. Can we have a wizard? No. Uh, <laughs> that's why I hate Shadowrun. Um, <laughs> 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 sorry, joking, not even joking, I do. Uh, but um, that, there's a lot of, yeah. but also like, I was interested in the binary aspect, the, the, the nature of um, odds, chance, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, and, and choice, even, you know, the whole stuff, you know, what, yeah. what do choices matter? And that's something that's really interesting in games. Yeah, and that was also interesting. And also, um, Mark is one of my favorite characters. Because um, I also am a set. <laughs> hey. Um, and that's not a common piece of representation, let me tell you. Um, because, uh, because if I if I tell somebody at a party or whatever, you know, yeah, I'm a statistician, I get... One of two responses. God, I hated statistics when I took it in college. Damn lies and statistics. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Um, so, so it was really nice to have Mark in there. Um, about, you know, the various ways that we can out probability and randomness, you know, the idea of the, the frequentist idea that there's the world state and is fixable and we're trying to make a educated guess at it but it is something that's fixed versus the Bayesian idea where that world quantity has a distribution to it in some way um how that interacts with die in which everything is both random and deterministic um yeah. my brother i mean that mainly he mainly comes from my brother's a maths teacher okay uh, that, that fantastic is- there's aspects of like obviously the group on I was trying to create a fictional group of people for die, but they were also the sort of people who mm-hmm. I knew. As in often there's a couple of traits I took from I took from inspiration from people and moving around. And the car- and the class represent different sorts of players. Yeah. And also different parts of the game. And in the case of that, you know, um Matt was based around I want to say the mathematics, you know, there's a the odds and even the awful odds of uh, his mum dying. Yeah. Know, really mm. Yeah. You know, that, that's something I, I I but that came exactly from my went to some really minor surgery so i looked up um chances of people dying of like just that's way higher. you know yeah. like one in five hundred thousand or something like that and it's like that's that's quite like i would not roll that i don't you know i mean of course we take those chances every day and that's the sort of thing that could just drive you to distraction yeah so yeah like that i'm not sh- sure if you know yes is the answer now, what is matt especially for me there's a lot of dying which is also horror yeah in terms of let's take an idea it's horrific Predestination. I hate fate. Mm-hmm. I've always, you know, I've done several stories about him kicking against it. I'm certainly. Oh no, it's all. Despite being all random, it's also predetermined. Yeah, you know, from the fair's perspective, the game has already been played. Yeah, that, that uh, from dice- raising is always precise. That this is not among the things that happen. Yeah, um, uh, the game is like I, I do. Quite, I know in that kind of like, if you be really, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna because if. It, it will happen. Maybe not the way you think it is, but there's, yeah. the, the, you know, 
Yeah. We'll, we'll sidestep everything. Yeah. But uh, I kept thinking about essentially, you know, um, you know the, na- the nature of divination and stuff like that. Uh, you're rolling a dice and changing something or rolling a dice and and um, it's almost, you know, it's almost like Heisenberg uncertainty. You know, you're rolling a dice and, you know, untangling the probability state and observing the event. Um, there's a there's a poem by Philip Larkin, which is a really short poem, six lines, uh, and it's basically I title, but it's basically it starts with an apple, um, uh, an apple core in the bin. Maybe I've read this. Maybe the core in a misses. That sounds like the you might write. Then reverses it. The ball it bounces up, lands in the hand. Then he eats the then he eats the apple in reverse, and in the par. It's a fine mm-hmm. line. And the implication is it. It's probably really in a very basic way about being a failure. You know, this this apple is beautiful and fine, and it would have always bounced and it would have always failed. And of course, retrospectively, that all dice rolls, that dice would have always been a one. Yeah. <laughs> in all, <laughs> we don't have that. Yeah. In retrospect, but in the in the, the process of us living, does feel like that, and it's fascinating. Yeah. And if you and of course that thrill is what RPGs are interested in. Okay. That thrill is one of the magic. Yeah. You know, the special source in RPGs when. It stops being like just telling a story together, and we really don't know what's going to happen now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where that by taking it out of you, it becomes more real. Yeah, that's all that that push and pull in games, fascinating. Yeah, I I really appreciated the the ways in which you engaged with just the nature of probability and randomness in the in the comic. Also, yeah. I have to say that um, Matt was a. It, it took me up until the last issue to um, to have my you know and then you know crying the shower 10 minutes moment um the the um the lines from mark um the thing about the is that it's always there always talking to you if your mom dies early you spend your life knowing your dad can too you know there's a sword hanging over everyone you've ever loved and the extra kick in the teeth you're not worrying for nothing um that was that was quite the line i unfortunately lost my mother um i'm sorry Five years ago or so at this point, um, have been health issues with my dad, and that that was a, a a good kick in the gut. Thank you. So I mean, like it's it's true. It's the real issue. Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> stuff there is. You know. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I lost my dad about in fact just ten years ago this year. Uh, I'm sorry. So that, that haunts this. Oh, thank you. Like that haunts this book as well yeah. i mean it haunted it was why w- wicked divine my previous book was all about that but matt is very much part of that as well yeah um you know you, you do know i mean there's um you know that you know one day you'll pick up the phone and we get yeah bad news and it's definitely i'm aware that when a time chrissy gets a call from her parents like i know one after to deal with the you know deal with the aftermath of that phone call yeah that's life though mm-hmm. you know it's, a, it's it's the price of the ticket um anyway no no <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like uh, it's not like I was lying to people, but um, yeah, it's it's a lot. But that's also what we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, the in the last couple of issues, the 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 Ash Balrog, which we uh, in Moria. The one question that we had was, what came first, the idea of Moria being Saul retreated to, uh as a place where he hibernated in his, once he had fully broken down and lost all hope, or did the idea of Ash manifesting 
her, you know, her issues as a Balrog and then sort of evolved the Moria around that. Wow, I have no idea. Like, honestly, (laughs) you saw my face. It's like I was going through a series of, like, fascinating expressions. I don't remember. (laughs) Which is, like, that that feels like literally, like, what happened to Salts. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of, sorry, of course, Young Child, that might influence it as well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I always knew from the beginning would be about going down a dungeon. I always knew the end of the third arc would be Matt going, oh, we're down, down a effing dungeon. Because uh, <laughs> I thought, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest RPG try. Mm-hmm. We have avoided it for the entire 15 issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Specifically avoided it, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can't remember. I can't remember whether it was Moria first. I always knew it would be the dungeon way in would be realm that I knew. When did I know it would be Moria? I don't know. I really don't. It just feel like they, they both feel like two ideas coming from the same breath. Because obviously, Ash would have a big concentration at the end, mm-hmm. um, and also Soul would be a place where he's abandoned. And it's one of those bits where I almost wonder if I realize, oh no, the dungeon has to be Moria. Everything else came after that. Yeah, it just springs forth. You know, like Moria came first, and everything else got everything else got casted afterwards. It just fits so. That's, I know Wait. it's it's really it, honestly it's really like Kaza hitting Kaza Doom hitting like you know the, like it really did sort of you know I said earlier about like Tolkien being like um, fundamental and primal yeah. for me mm-hmm. it was that these these are, this is the primal dungeon you know at least for me it's the primal dungeon oh absolutely um, yeah. yeah yeah it the way that it just fits so tightly into the the end of the story there with the place where Saul had his his death and rebirth and then also the the Balrog and her her Gandalf leap. We had a very long discussion because Justin likes to poke me. <laughs> woman, the go- nature no, of Gollum's evil. You. That was me poking. Was that you? you? Well, the both of you. There, I, I think it was one of us. <laughs> one of us posed the Gandalf thing. You dodged it, and we kneecapped you with the Gollum line. <laughs> yeah, just throwing soapboxes at me to get me going. Um, just but that that whole that whole section was uh, terrific. I. It's it's a bit of a of a thing with me. I I do particularly love when with Tolkien beyond that surface level, and uh, it's so I I take a lot of joy in things, uh, engage with it in in a more uh, thoughtful way. And that was one thing I really took out of Die was the way uh, considered the material in a more thoughtful way because it's not not as common as. <laughs> Uh, and I Thank loved, you. I loved Ash's uh, Gandalf rebirth. There, I thought that was uh, such a moment. Uh, yeah, nothing uh, for for the whole thing, but that that bit in particular. It was. Thank you, honestly. I was really pleased. It really fit very well into the structure. Really, I take back now and go to my all my. Uh, my die notes and see if I can work out and reverse analyze when I had the idea. Hmm. Cause it might, you know, I could probably start Google more. If I Google Moria, I could probably turn it up. <laughs> uh, if I, if I not Google, but you know, yeah, it's enough. Uh, but like, I definitely remember the end of issue 17, the, uh, speak friend and enter bait. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like, I mean, up, uh, you know, that, that moment of, Oh my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like, you know, Breaking and sad, literally turn, turn to each other and friend, just saying friend to each other, and the doors open. Like, ugh, just kiss already. Um, and, right, okay, uh, we we've been dancing around this, but <laughs> uh, and also like, um, 
I have been like, we ship it so hard. Oh. We ship it. <laughs> There's a lot going on there, isn't yeah. it? Oh my like, honestly, like, it's really charged. The, um, actually, I'm sliding, but also like the slide from the Lovecraft to the, the tentacle monster in Outside oh, Warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that stuff. Stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, this feels really, the natural flow of it just felt mm-hmm. just from kissing, which is far more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, like, I think, like, I I post my my like post uh my my personal things of like yes Matt is married but I think Matt and Angela and I think that there's some sort of non Euclidean shape going on with so Ash uh Saul and I probably Isabel as well I think that they're uh, poor Isabel I think <laughs> I, I know. yeah there's a lot going on of course like you got Zamorna yeah. trying to butt in the side there like. Yeah. The- yeah, <laughs> um, I tell you, like it's complicated. Yeah. It's the real way. Like there was, I really didn't want to make a simple. I mean, part of like building dialogue. I had this. You got this quite big, actually twelve mm-hmm. gods, like twelve thirteen gods. That kind of core cast, and each one of them is a, 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 a ship. You know, this is a thing which really drives, which is their fatal flaw, and their stories are about that. Yeah. As you know. And in the middle, you've got Laura, who is the heart of the plot, and kind of reflects all the other characters. So by interacting with all these other people, she gets the chance to really explore different parts of herself. Um, I wanted to write something a bit less, um, I mean, in a good way. I mean, perfect as in geometry, like geometry. Yeah. Die to be messier. Yeah. Like all these characters have multiple problems with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and like it's like you know, Ash, Ash's gender stuff is on, but at the same time, like you know, they're they're problems of kids. Yeah. You know, that's all. Mm-hmm. You know, these are completely separate story, and they interact in different ways, yeah. but they're there. And almost all the other characters have similar characters have that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like yeah. there was always the the, the chargeness between Sol and Ash and the previous um, homoeroticism. Especially Ash, there's lots of stuff going on yeah. there. In, in all, um, there's definitely says that you know, um, I did it all for you, and it, that's multiple. Yeah. yeah, there's so many. There's the, there's boxes inside boxes inside boxes. Um, there's that there's sketch that uh, I forget one of you two uh, yeah, excerpted out and shared in our discord of uh, Ash like reading behind him like writing notes that really is it that nail home but yeah it's so it's such a good moment Se- Stephanie was really like tender and yeah. intimate mm-hmm. in terms of those characters she was really understood the, the, the that of it yeah. Um, yeah. And it really, really assuming, mentioned. Is, yeah, that, that's, that's the one, one I was that's thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, her art, it really art too much. But it's talked about it perfect extensively in our episode reviews. Just blew us all away. Basically, um, went into it knowing what he was getting, what we were getting into. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was just really uh, astonished because it's so every, every panel is like a painting. It's it's really yeah. uh, astonishing how great and uh, it really fits with the the story. So gorgeous. I really um, one of the things I really medium is the is the way that it is storytelling, and I just was flabbergasted by some of these panels. The one I always think of is the, the scene with the, the vampires 
flying this all smoky flying through the sunset and lighting up and there's so many great pieces in in the i don't have a point i'm just <laughs> raving because it's a poet yeah, yeah. But she's a poet and so much of like die came from me meeting stephanie years down the line working on a book of marvel called Trinity mystery together for a little bit and realized we should do something properly together and then for years i, was, I knew it had to be a fantasy book because it's like a fantasy world as designed by stephanie. that was the other mm-hmm. you know i've talked mm-hmm. about other inspirations you know, i was looking for how what to do with stephanie so die was very mm-hmm. much became it as soon as i had it i mean it's interesting it's like obviously you as, as the tolkien scholar you'll know the whole um you know tolkien was fighting art pictures fantasy critical essay he was wrote about and of course he wrote all that panel about this actually on um next weekend at thought bubble so he this is the thing like he wrote this essay and he say oh yeah i'm dra- dragons man <laughs> you know <laughs> i love you know I, I like to think of a uh, doy as a hey go on talking you would have loved this yeah <laughs> especially because stephanie draws poetry it's not his thing was as if i paraphrase the argument it was that it, it nails down it like mm-hmm. yeah prose evokes uh, art makes specific and stephanie is very good at making art unspecific and i don't mean she's about the big dramatic operatic emotions of it all mm-hmm. um so yeah, yeah. The, yeah the ability to let to like convey stuff that makes the brain like want to fill in what isn't immediately conveyed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. First, jumping back to a previous question briefly, I said homerosism, which isn't the right word either, because I think about Sol and Ash yeah. in terms of like in the real world. Because like, of course, like Ash's gender is is much more complicated than that. And, but what what does how does Sol think of that? And in some ways, more talk, it's almost like Sol saw Ash yeah. in the real world. You know, as in you know, I mean, like I think you know, Sol got this is what Ash yeah. needs. That's yeah. definitely the vibe that that I got from it. Um, when Sol's saying, you know, I created this world to help you understand figure yourself out uh it definitely felt like saul of all people understood way more than than ash did what yeah. was going on there and, and to give him a place to to sort that out uh that was definitely the I vibe love- i got from it i mean as, as not not to take away from authorship but i mean i operate under a, all and all characters are queer until uh Oh, no. In my books, definitely. Uh, so I mean, you know, what, you know, it's whatever solid. I it is. I Ash might at this point be just whatever. Yeah, yeah. makes you queer. It's kind of, in terms of like in terms of archetypes, there's obviously you know they're all geeks in mm-hmm. different ways, especially as kids. Um, what's the geeks yeah. and like the um something Stephanie did like, like Ash's design in the real world with long hair and all that stuff. The, the, it's not something you see in fiction, but you meet in real life all the time. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, the idea that, you know, that, that person at school with all the, the stuff drawn on their art. And that's something Stephanie brought in. And uh, with, with Sol, it was like, I don't think people quite, especially outside how messianic some geeks can be. You know, like, mm-hmm. and that Sol's that. Sol's like a golden tree. Mm-hmm. Sol's like, you know, it's, he's probably, he wasn't somebody who had high school. You know, he's somebody what top of the class, and he probably did pretty. And especially in the UK, you have this kind of like weird dual class where you have uh, people who are good at sport and also like academic stuff, and not treated, you know, that. Yeah. That Sol's that kind of guy, person. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, you know, there's a there is the one genius in the cast in that way. And I use genius in a very I don't use that word very often, but it's deliberately he's meant to be a fallen genius in that mm-hmm. way. That kind of P- mm-hmm. Peter Pan a psychopath was the way I described him originally, but obviously he's a lot more. Yeah. That's that's the role he ended up taking on. And it, Yada, yada, yada. That's great. Anyway, 
Um, taking a look at the time here, I think we should be wrapping yeah. up here. Um, Any last thing? Um, hit me with. I not a question, but I I mean, like Die is one of my favorite fictional works, like of all time. Like if it's book of the last ten years, and it's as somebody who like really loves role playing games, it is something that I'm very glad exists because it expresses in its very fucked up way what a beautiful art form it is and what it can do. Thank you. Honestly, like, it was we said it's a joke in the first issue as this is fantasy watchman. You know, that's tongue in cheek obviously, but it's like it's not really tongue in cheek. It's you know, the idea let, let's do this really big serious RPGs and take it as seriously as I take everything. Yeah. Like because people do. We love this stuff. It makes us like let's let's not hide from that. Yeah. We can afford to. Mm-hmm. Um I'll give you one last thing. If there is a die sequel there's one visual, there's a Pratchett-related visual in the uh, It. Uh, I to, Stephanie is a huge Pratchett head too. Amazing. But there is one uh, Pacific Pratchett visual that will be in there, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think it definitely, there's no way I can avoid it. It'll be a page spread, probably too. If we, I'm saying, I'm, obviously, we're not necessarily doing anything, but in my head, I've got a rough structure. Oh, yeah. um, I'm just imagining yeah, yeah. Pratchett as a master now and how much... I'm. I'm not sure whether he would love it or hate it. <laughs> oh, did you have, did you ever meet him? No, no. I I interviewed him once. Circa, I was working for PC Gamer, and his it was circa Discworld Noir. Mm. So I, I interviewed him then. As a got, I thought I'd read a lot. I've read all, all the books anyway. So uh, we we got fine because I read the books. Therefore, wasn't a, <laughs> he got slightly annoyed with people who didn't? As of what the hell you interviewed? <laughs> so, um, but he gave me some dwarf bread. Um, he uh, his favorite book at the time was Small Gods, which was also mine. That was uh, the other thing. But yeah, but yeah I can't. Him being a master would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it, it obviously, be for, uh, his vibes in the city, like the idea of a master who just walks the street, gets stuff done quietly. Yeah, yeah. as in I don't want to be a real mass. That you know, what I mean, I trust. I probably if I if I use it, I probably do that. Or but, you know, well, that would he be the, a the, witch? I or I mean, as as the master, I feel like he'd never be the same twice because over the for, over his forty one books, he's always revising. And re and questioning his own ideas, and you know, you look at the the throwaway joke he makes about dwarven gender the first time we meet dwarves, and then dwarven gender revolution over the course of multiple books, like yeah, yeah. It's like he lets the characters live yeah. in that way, and there's mm-hmm. like yeah. in yeah. that way, and like you can, I mean, there's a bit in the, there's more of this in the game if you actually read it, but like masters aren't necessarily. I mean, look at Tolkien; he's a good example. Tolkien's not really ruling his read setting it's aesthetic. Yeah. He says it's water. Mm. Yeah. And like, you've got someone like, stuck in, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, and, and Charlotte's like, no, I don't think we really do that. Mm. Charlotte, but sometimes Charlotte fought a war with, you know, as employed. I mean, it, there's an implication that she's got one of the cages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the kind of, you know, that's one of the subtext. Obviously I know what happened there. Yeah. Not that I'll ever necessarily do it. And other masters might just, I don't know, Radagast in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Do much, but hang on. Birds, you know, <laughs> squirrels. <laughs> and lo- I used to love Ragas. And uh, no. he's one of the most fascinating masters to me. He's the only one that we see that has an appearance of the world. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. This, this one of the things like, like while I've, uh, we have stuff sort of planned, it's always like setting. Like, in that kind of, I might have had, let's say I had that kind of the realm of 13, Lovecraft, and I probably had the idea of um no definitely the idea is indie games as which is the, the single joke the idea 
to us is Lovecraft being inspired by visions of people playing Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> that <laughs> blew that, my that, mind that's... when I read that issue. It was such a great turn to have that that's that loop of him being inspired by his, the games and the non-Euclidean shapes. I just <laughs> I did laugh at that. Sorry. It's so good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Funny. Perfect. Uh, such a uh inversion of like the the horror of Lovecraftian stuff is just nerds playing his game. Yeah. Especially the whole island being like okay, I'm going to lean into like every single bad nerd cliche the you know the people Oh from. yeah. I forget, you know, like just. Yeah, I, I don't think all that the, stuff was implicitly there at the beginning. We're just, just to do closing matter, Kieran. Uh, do you want? Pe- I, I assume that you want people to find you so that you can continue to be paid for your work. And, uh, but where can people find you? Uh, I'm on the internet. Where it's on fire. I would basically my name Kieran Gillen, K I E R O N G I L L E N. Most of the social medias, like I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but I'm. I still have an account. The best place to get me is my newsletter, uh, which is on Button Down. But if you actually go to kierangillan.com, I think most of the stuff is linked from there. Um, like that, my newsletter comes out every like week or two, or plugging stuff and also ranting and about. If you if you enjoy the theory, I've sort of dropped. I quite often do random rants. Last one was about ABBA, which is not really as relevant. <laughs> but I swear, I talk about I'll be juicy. All right. Um- well, this is, uh, I, I guess this is the capstone of our die series. So, listeners, until next time, just remember, it's all for you. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license. recording.